podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello! And welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. We are. Uh, sorry, I was trying not to laugh at them. Uh, extreme levels of hello there, but I did enjoy it. Uh, we are talking about the game we all love. After um, a tournament we we love, not everyone loves, I suppose, but it was a great shootout. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be chatting through that first of all. <laughs> I'm pushing out to the limit a little bit, actually, aren't I? I think we'll, I think we'll call it end of year. Um, end of term hijinks. And you can be sure, Phil, that I know most uh, children mess around at the, at the end of term, but I was definitely towards the front of the queue of the people that would take advantage of that end of term feeling. Um, yes, Phil, the shootout is done and dusted and we have, well, a familiar winner. And that isn't always the case with the shootout. There's a lot of first time winners, maybe unlikely winners. But of course, we have a serial winner, a top 16 winner. Uh, in Mark Allen, and congratulations to him. He beat Cao Yupeng 65 points to four in the final. So it was a uh, a very comprehensive victory in the final, which again is kind of a trend with the finals of this, I think, over the years. But importantly, you know, and I know we all have our whys and wherefores of whether this should be a ranking event, most of us would say no. It is, and this is significant. It's a 10th ranking event for Allen, moving him level with Jimmy White in the all-time standings. He's just the 12th player to reach double figures in terms of ranking events one. So it, we, I was thinking, Neil Foles always says that nice thing, and I agree with him. It would be something special to see a world champion crown the winner of the shootout. We certainly haven't had that, have we? But we now have a UK and Masters champion uh, being crowned shootout winner. We've had Mark Selby and Mark Williams reaching finals lately. So we've nearly had big name winners, but this time, Phil, we really do have a big name winner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, I like that point as well, where you could master the uh, the longest and the shortest possible format. That would be nice. And uh, there's been a fair few world champion runners up. Yeah, you meant Williams and Selby. I think Doc twice, Bingham. I'm sure there's another one. I think that's five. Um, but yeah, so people have come close. But Mark Allen, yeah, this is the first time top seed has won it. Um, and a top 16 player has won it, which... Um, yeah, it seems odd. Obviously, not all top 16 enter all the time, but uh, that was always going to be an anomaly that would end at some point, and the Pistols wanted to do it. Uh, yeah, he, did, he didn't breeze through it. Some of them were closer than others, but he looked very good. He, he was taking it, well, he seemed to be. I don't know. I wasn't there, so I'm not sure how much partying people were enjoying the first couple of days, but he looked to be taking it pretty seriously um, and got over the line, yeah. Um, 50,000 ranking points. I think that takes him back up to number three, so... Um, I'm sure that'll annoy a few people. Um, and I think he was—he tweeted a couple of times that he—it was his tenth, and I think that was sort of trying to wind people up as well. Uh, I think everyone knows uh, the situation with this one, uh, but you know, it's a great achievement. It takes some winning because um, you know defeat is only ever a few moments away. So you got to ride your luck, of course, but it takes some serious skill as well. You know, it takes some serious bottle—that's for sure—and calmness under pressure. Um, and he was pointing out today on Twitter as well, he, he actually complained about some of the commentary in a couple of his matches, saying that um, he was just sort of being given chances. But he was making the point that he was playing pretty good safety or tactical shots, um, which then forced other people to mistakes to create chances. So there is a lot of nows in there as well. It's not crash, bang, wallop. The word lottery is used a lot. Um, it's not a lottery. It's not just random. Um you know the game. The odds of each game are much closer than they would be over longer formats, but you could still play better snooker and win. So yeah, it was a, it was a great event though. Uh, lots going on that we hadn't seen before. That's for sure. Oh, you're so right. Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of a lottery. I don't know how to say it. it there, there are more chance elements. But you still have to play good snooker. You don't. If you're not playing good snooker, you don't win it. You should have to knock balls in. Under pressure, you're right about the bottle. You know, it's seven deciders. Someone here was saying that. I can't remember which one of our guests, but it, it's like having the seven uh, deciders one after the next. And that actually, it's probably Chris Wakelin, actually, when he joined us. Mm. He was talking yeah, about winning it, wasn't it? Yeah, not so long ago. So there's that element to it. And yeah, listen, I've said it before. 
I just like the way it's designed. You get the players introduced, they come out, they play for 10 minutes, the winner gets interviewed. You might see a couple of other pieces of you know, packages or interviews or graphics on screen. Next one's introduced, the next match. You, you, it's constant, constant, constant throughout the four days. And I, and I love that about it. You know, wouldn't want it all the time. But, you know, and not every match is great as well. That's the other thing about the shootout. Not every match is an absolute thriller. But if it's not one that takes your fancy, don't worry. Wait seven or eight minutes, Phil. Another one will come along. That's that, that, That's the really good thing about it. And so many things happened. I mean, if we, if we, you know, talked about them all here, we'd be here till next Michaelmas. But we must talk about some of the highlights. And, well, let's start with Sean Murphy. I mean, one, one, four, seven, I've just written here, wow, one word. I mean, that's it. And the next thing I've written, Phil, is uh, on the blue ball, don't bottle it now. <laughs> and that, and that's why impressions is one of the few things that's not part of my repertoire. Uh, it's become quite obvious there. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's where... It is a different kind of event, isn't it? Because, you know, Sean had a really tough shot on the blue, played it brilliantly, screwing back for the uh, the pink, used the rest, didn't he? It was really hard, and uh, but, he, but he got it. Personally, I worked in the, an office with last night, made the point that he thought, I don't know if this is right or not, but interesting way of saying it, I think, that he thought that Sean pulled out some great pots in that one four seven, and he wondered whether Sean might not necessarily have got that if he had more time to think about it. He may have done. He's that brilliant. But it was almost like instinct, quick, quick, quick. Because some of those pots were really hard. It was by any, by no means a straightforward one four seven. You don't get many of those, but you know what I mean. You know, reds were kind of spread a bit, and um, maybe that instinct helped him. Who knows? But listen, it's an it's a, an amazing achievement, and I've got to say, Phil. About a couple of hours before, and I happened to watch a lot of it that Friday afternoon. A couple of hours before, I can't remember who it was. They were they were on a nice break of about four reds, four blacks. I think something like that. Fergal O'Brien said in commentary, if this was the more normal form of snooker, you know, I think we'd be saying possible 147 here. But he said, I don't think it'll ever be done in this format. Pretty sure he used those words. I don't think it'll ever be done. There we are two hours later. And I suggested, you know, what's the opposite of a commentator's curse? And initially, we were going to go with commentator's blessing. But somebody, in fact, Dan Cat, a listener and uh, a big snooker fan on Twitter, said commentator's charm. Kind of like that. A commentator's yeah. charm there from Fergal. It's never going to happen. You know, you're going to watch it for years and years. Never going to happen. Instead of that, two hours later, it does. But listen, Phil, I mean, Neil Robertson's come, come out and called the event a circus by and large. So he doesn't think you can really compare you know, what what you do in a normal event in terms of making maximums with this. Friend of the podcast, and I know someone we really love reading and think it's a great, great pundit, Richard Mann, says he thinks it's the best one ever made because of the time constraints, the pressures, the crowd. I mean, that debate will will go on. But one thing that no one's in a doubt with, it's, a you know, it's a, a hell of an achievement from Sean and just a, a real thrill for all of us to see. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and... Uh... It's one of those things you can, there's, you could analyze it two different ways. You know, you're saying that, yeah, it takes away the sort of paralysis by analysis. You could just see a shot and hit the shot. Um, so does that make it easier? Maybe. Does it make it harder? Maybe. You know, there's some people saying the fact it was playing in that kind of atmosphere is more like an exhibition where they're used to sort of knocking in big breaks for a laugh. So that could make it easier, but you would think it would make it harder or else, you know, normal stick would be played in that sort of environment. Um I can't imagine that bloke saying, don't bottle it now, as he's play, trying to play an incredibly difficult shot, made it any easier. Um, I mean, I'd be struggling not just to be shaking on the shot by laughing at that, because it was very daft. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it creates opinions, doesn't it, the shootout? You can't uh, you can't argue with it on that front. Um, some people, yeah, Neil sort of saying it can't be compared to um, big finals and the Crucible and stuff, which I get what he's saying, but... Yeah, I mean, Stephen Hendry posted on his Instagram that comparing him, Sean's one with Ronnie's fastest one ever at the Crucible, he said Ronnie's just shades it. So he's thinking it's right up there as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just whatever you think about the shootout, really. Um, Neil's obviously not a big fan of the shootout. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. I think with 147s, it's so hard because it's not like a nine data where, you know, there are, there are a few different routes, but you're largely throwing the same shots. Each nine data, unless you're doing a really silly route, is as hard as each other. You know, at 147, you'd have to go and look at 
where each all the balls were in every one four seven to really sort of start judging them properly which one was harder and better and stuff and uh i'm never gonna do that so i'm not gonna worry about it too much but it was very very impressive um and a great achievement you know most players go to the shootout they're not going there thinking oh i'm gonna win this they know it's um you know it's anyone's tournament um but for sean to come away with that um that's a lovely highlight not just for the tournament but for his career because he might be the only person who ever does it exactly it could, could easily be and he was just saying you know what a thrill it was straight away and how much he was buzzing and you could really see that on television and uh, of course sean has um made it quite clear hasn't he, in all our contracts that if we were on any snooker pod or any operation like this, you mentioned the nine data. We have to say contractually that, of course, he has made a one, a nine data. He tells us. In fact, he tells us he's potentially the only person, the only person that's made themselves known anyway, to make a nine data, a hole in one and a one four seven. That's in our contracts. We have to say that. Sean also does actually tell me that the same guy who shouted that uh, ludicrous comment out on the final blue, don't bottle it now, also sh- uh, shouted out, First thing he won in a while when he won the lag. I mean, you know, it's a good thing that these snooker players and most of us involved in the game can 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 laugh at the silly things that go on because um, it is really really uh, quite amusing. But uh, but but ter- terrific effort from Sean and that really, you know, r- what really struck me, you know, to be serious is the p- the friends we have and the c- colleagues we have that have been there. I've spoken to two or three of them, messaged two or three of them. And seen if I haven't, I've seen their reaction on social media and uh, interviewed on television. They just loved seeing that. It just shows, you know, funny enough, I uh, spoke to a, a, a young journalist in the last few days that's writing a story about 147s. And, you know, it was a good chance for me to sort of re- recap on my memory over, over the last sort of 40 years and what's happened with them. And we were both concluding this guy's 20 years younger than me, this journalist. But I was saying to him, well, what do you, what do you and your friends think? He said, oh, we're still messaging each other. You know, when one's going to be done in any tournament, oh, Kai was on five reds, five blacks, or so is yeah. on eight reds, two. So he answered the question. He's 20 years younger. He's in his 20s. He, you know, late 20s. He's still getting a buzz. They are still special. And those people there, they won't forget that, Phil. Will, will they? Not mm-hmm. just like, you know, the weeks to come or, you know, for a while, for years to come. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think uh, you could tell by just the social media buzz from other players. I don't think I can remember seeing so many comments from other players and maybe that's the nature of the event and it was early on and you know so many of them were there and there's not I don't think there's another event where you see so many players like in the crowd usually having a drink you know it's a very sociable event so maybe it lends it to that um but certainly <laughs> Sean's uh fellow professionals were very very impressed with it couldn't believe it um so yeah it was a very special thing and uh you know, it, that is just another thing that adds to the shootout. You know, like you say, a one four seven any time is special, but that just threw another wrinkle to it, doesn't it? Because um, we didn't think we were ever going to see it. Um, and I did feel a bit sorry for Bulkshi Revers. You know, he's a youngster coming from Hungary who's uh, meant to be very, very good. Not seen much of him, little bits. Uh, I was hoping to see a little bit of him there. He broke off, but at the same time, you can't hit the blue on the break. We all know it. So he's been ruthlessly punished there. A great lesson from the magician to the young apprentice. Oh, my God. The ultimate lesson. Yeah, whatever you do, don't hit the blue. You don't really expect a 147 to come back at you in, in seven minutes, though, do you? Whatever it was. Yeah, amazing. Yes. And, uh, well, that maybe takes us into the theme of, of youngsters that did do pretty well, Phil. And, of course, Sean Liu at the age of 13. Born in July 2010, Phil. Um one of quite a few youngsters to impress. He beat Ishpreet Singh Chadha in a really exciting match. I'm not sure Ishpreet uh, rushed as much as he could have done there in the closing moments. I feel there was potentially a leveller there. He needed one more ball, the green, to, to level. I think other players may, may have got there, in fairness. Um, it was a bit harsh at uh, this event, if any, to say you didn't rush enough Well, from the armchair, but not sure he did. Um, however, w- what a win for the 13-year-old. And one of a number of youngsters, you know, uh, friend of the podcast, recent friend, Stan Moody, of course, another one that you know really impressed Phil. Uh, you know, he he's got such a, a good attitude, I think. You know, he you know, arms aloft, you know, he's he's like someone 20 years older in a way, playing up yeah. to it. Because loads of those guys in their 30s we saw, experienced players, maybe even older, they love it, banter with the crowd. Stan's doing it his age. I mean, he's in that sense, you really feel 
he's getting that personality to go with the skills. Must serve him well, eh? Yeah, because he's had a lot of, as far as Stuka goes, anyway, you know, the teenagers and the sports club a lot more. But in terms of a youngster coming to Snooker World, he had a lot of attention. Yeah, not many others have had a CBBC documentary uh, his age. Um, so he's had a lot to deal with on that front. Um, and he, he seems to be just lapping it up and doing very well. He played brilliantly, looked really good. Um, so that was very impressive. Um, Liam Pullen is a different kind of character, but also seems sort of pretty chilled, confident guy. Uh, I was really hoping they'd draw each other after all the chat standard on here about their budding, well, not just budding, growing, ongoing rivalry, which we hope is going to last for another 30 odd years. That would have been good. Um, yeah, Liam did really well. Julian Boyko looked excellent as well. Um, it's not going to be long till he's back on tour. And Liam Davies as well. Um, they're sort of four of the, the, the next gen, as it were, that um, we think are going to have long careers in the game. And, you know, this isn't what we're talking about. We're not talking about the shootout when we're talking about long careers at the top of the game. But it was encouraging to see them all do well in a difficult atmosphere against much more experienced people. Very calm under pressure. It was that opening morning, wasn't it, with where Liam Davis, I think, was the first third game on. So he won it. Uh, comeback win on the on the final blue. Right after the first game, the whole thing was Chris Wakeling coming back with a great comeback to yeah. win later on. So it was a brilliant start. But yeah, I thought the whole thing was a great showcase for some of these youngsters, um, continuing to encourage that the game's in good hands. Exactly that. And, you know, there'll be different challenges from a more normal snooker atmosphere, which is that unbelievable, cloying, tense silence. But listen, if you can survive a sort of, um, I want to say it was a bear pit a lot of the time, but it, towards the end, they got a bit bear pity bear pit-ish. If you can survive that kind of atmosphere, then you, you're kind of on the right lines. I mean, lots of absolutely absurd, using that word wacky, which is a ridiculous word in itself, but there was quite a lot of wacky um, stuff, wasn't there, Phil? Kyron Wilson with his oven glove, uh, all manner of gloves, including the oven glove. Looks like he's about to take something hot out of the oven, I think Philip Studd said in commentary. <laughs> and, I mean, Dominic Dale, I was taking bets on the on the song that he may have sung if he won it. But actually, I went for Green, Green Grass of Home, and uh, one or two people said he may have already sung that, so I, I, I may have missed that. I think that's one of his wins. I didn't see the song. I saw most of them, but he was really going through the repertoire. I sent you one, didn't I, on message. We were just laughing. Just Jimmy and Rianne just sort of standing there looking at him. Just a very close sight. range as well. Really they? close. <laughs> it was just preposterous. And, you know, wrapping up the presents. And, you know, Rachel, by the way, Rachel Casey, just, you know, formidable as ever as presenter. Really, really good work from her. Mm. Well, wrapping up the presents and wrapping you up, Dominic, and his sort of incandescent reaction. And then Jimmy sort of, it's just the time, Dominic. That's all it is, just the time. And I did like, a few people said to me, he sort of would have gone on for the full two minutes, wouldn't he? He probably would have done. That's the yeah. thing. He probably would have done. I don't know how many verses there were, but you got the feeling he wasn't sort of stopping until he would have been stopped. But yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> we know how mad it is. It does seem to be, pushing the boundaries a bit more. I don't know. Maybe that's just my memory. They're all sort of mad, really. But more singing than ever, more encouraged, I think, that kind of, you know, offbeat, you know, madcap kind of approach than ever. But it's fun, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can be po-faced if you want. I, I can be as po-faced as the, as the best of them at times. about many things in snooker and indeed sport generally. But I think you've got to throw off your shackles a bit and just sort of get into it really. Or don't. Some people just don't, and they say to me all the time, I just can't watch it, I can't hear the noise from the crowd, and that's important to reflect as well, and that there's a big community of people like that. But for those that do enjoy and watch it, it's... um, it's, And I'll tell you what, while I say it as well, people thought the slot worked, because it's Christmas, mm. it's a, mm. it's kind of, as you say, I joked around about end of term at the start, that may lend itself, this could be potentially the slot going forward, eh? Yeah, well, that's the sort of darts vibe, isn't it? I think they do very well in that pre-Christmas slot. Um, not necessarily darts fans, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to attract a different crowd. And yeah, I mean, it's important to say we've always said we're fans. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, you're not you're not a boring curmudgeon if you don't like the shootout. It's just not your thing. Fair enough. Um, and I wouldn't want it in every tournament, but I do love it for when it is. And you know, my girlfriend was watching a bit of it. She was like, what's going on here? But she was much more interested in watching that than normal snooker. Um, we did my editor I did it on The Office I was in last week. And he is actually a bit of a snooker fan, but he hadn't seen the shootout much before. 
And he watched, he watched those first three frames where Wakelin won and then Davies won. And he said, what a format this is. So he was he was convinced straight away. Um, I had an interview with Stephen Hallworth and when he was going so well through the tournament. And I think Rachel asked if his fiance was there with him. And he said, yes, this is the only tournament she wants to come to because it's the one she can have a bit of, uh, she can sort of shout along and have a drink and have a dance. Um, so it's just suit what it suits, but it's going to suit a different sort of crown. I think that's the whole point of it, isn't it, really, uh, to see how it goes. Uh, I did think when I was watching Kyron play with another glove on, this has gone a little bit too far. Um, but I mean, the frame was very much over and won by then. You know, if he was... Uh, if he was trying to build an early lead, then it would have been very much too much. But I think um, it was one of those where with a couple of minutes left, he was far too far ahead. So sort of fair enough, but it was a bit daft, wasn't it? But yeah, no, you got to embrace the chaos. Uh, you got to embrace, wait and see what Dominic Dale's doing next. I think his little trick where he balances the cue on, the, on his fingers, while that is probably very difficult, it's sort of like the least impressive, tricky thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, if I tried to do it, I probably couldn't do it. But watching someone do it just doesn't look that good. <laughs> but, but, but fair enough. It's, <laughs> some people might like it. He did a little thing where he sort of twizzled it round in his fingers as well, the cue. So that was a bit better. But yeah, the more the more madness, the merrier, though. <laughs> well, one of my higher-ups, I mean, they're all higher-ups where I work, really, but to me, but that... Did say tonight, oh, I think you're overthinking this a bit, Nick, and, you know, guilty as charged all my days, really. But one thing I did think about the Kyron oven glove thing, I know what you mean, but then I thought, actually, in all fairness, Ronnie got someone out from the crowd to play a shot once during, during, <laughs> during a match. And, you know, you, you could, if you extended it too far, again, it's his overthinking. You know, you could say well, that happens with a lot of things. I mean, Judd at the Crucible did that thing where he moved the ball and did the joke, didn't he? Very funny joke. When he said that the referee, <laughs> what's that up there? I've got the ref now. I moved away and then moved the ball. That, yeah, yeah, we're not saying that's a, the World Championship, the lottery because of that or a joke. Listen, it's all part of the fun. But yeah, I know you mean it. You do think at times this is all going a bit far with the shootout, but it's all part of the fun, Phil. And maybe we should look at the results then for the last 16 stage onwards as we tend to do for most events, including this one. And we'll. Say so Dominic Dale from the start, he beat Julian Boyko 63 46, close on that. And then C. Dry He against Kyron Wilson, bloody hell, 53 48 um, uh, to see. And that was in, of course, a respotted blue. The end of the frame was dramatic enough. That was great stuff. But the, I mean, it's a proper, proper penalty shootout where they kept getting them. You know, it was five from C to win it. Kyron made four, missed with his fifth attempt, but yeah, what drama. Kao Peng beat uh, Hamad Mir, 31-16. Mark Allen, 19, Oliver Lines, 10. Yeah, you said he had some close ones, Mark. In fact, Ollie, as I recall, was really unlucky with a late positional shot in that. He could have won that match. Uh, Mark Davis, handsome winner, um, 73 nil against Liam Davis. I'll tell you what, I thought about our business and I thought, I don't want Davis v Davis with different spelling to meet very often in big matches. That would drive me around the bend, I think. Yeah. Um, Stephen Hallworth beat Long Jihang at 52-33. Elliot Slesser, again a close one, beat Jimmy Robertson, 50 points to 36. And I did like Ali Carter, Michael White. Ali Carter winning 32-27. Got five points ahead I think with about two minutes left, maybe a bit less. Then put it on the lock and key. He's in a Selby. You're not going anywhere near the, any pot now. I'm going to cover everything or virtually cover everything. It was a classic piece of uh, granite play. Just shows, Phil, there's place for granite in the shootout too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, safety play is very important. The first couple of matches I saw Elliot Slesser play was just superb. Just nailing the ball, white ball to the bolt cushion. Um, just his opponents didn't get a shot. Um, so yeah, it's very important. Uh, obviously, you just don't get the chance to sometimes. But if you can, if you can exhibit your tactical side, then you can go far with that. Uh, yeah, that CJ Kyrie Wilson game was mad, brilliant stuff. Um, people calling it the best shootout frame ever may well have been. Uh, give a shout out to Long Zhuang. That'll be someone who no one really knows a great deal about. But I was very impressed with him. The bits I saw, just very business like, got on with it very well. Um, but Stephen Holworth. An amateur star at the minute. We know he's, you know, amateur status sounds weird for some people and more appropriate for others. You know, he's as good as professionals. He's just not on the tour at the minute. I'm sure he'll be back, but he had a great run and it was very, very impressive for him all week. Really was. I will say, sorry, before the one thing I meant to say, you mentioned Ollie Lines there. That that was that red, which was honestly one of the best pots I've ever seen. That then he was really unlucky to not quite fall on the next colour, I think. It was he was like on the bolt cushion 
it was yeah. it was completely straight. It was just one of those that I I, I could have a, a hundred shots at, and I probably wouldn't even get that near the pocket. It was just yeah. so difficult. Um, played at pace, and I think he just screwed back a bit too far. Um, but bloody, it was an amazing part. Um, and it looked like that deserved to sort of get him over the line, but didn't quite. But uh, yeah, amazing stuff. I, I retweeted that, so have a look at that part if you're not seeing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're right. And then had to go for a double on the next ball, and it was yeah, he was really unlucky, wasn't he? And I think Mark may have well have said that he certainly gave him real commiserations after that, saying yeah, you, I could have easily lost that. Uh, but those are the moments. Those are the moments that you know, whichever tournament you win at any sort of format. Those little moments, he could have lost that mark, ends up winning the trophy, of course. Yeah, Stephen Hallworth, great run. It gets carried on in the quarterfinals. He beat Dominic Dale 52-19 to get himself into the last four. Cao uh, Peng at that stage beat Mark Dave. Oh, well, one of those, I said this on, on social media, I think before that stage or maybe during the last 16, we don't know favourites, we never will, but there were so many guys I would have loved to have seen win it because it would have meant so much to so many. I mean... Mark Davis is in my head as one of those, I have to say. But he obviously got to the last eight, lost fifty. Uh, sorry, lost 39-13 to Kao Yupeng. Uh, Mark Allen beat C. Dry He 52-18. And Ali Carter kept himself going, beat uh, Elliot Slesser 41-24. Was that the one he got that outrageous fluke in and just put his arm in the air? And that, I think, oh, yeah. is the next time that I get a fluke like that in the Tony Mio Trophy. And that's what I'm going to do. It's all mind games. Because none of us mean sorry, do we? Oh, sorry, mate. You don't mean sorry. Just give it the big no. one in the, in the air. Come on. What was... I, I imagined what Ali Carter would think if someone had done to that hit that to him. <laughs> it would have been a face like thunder. Oh, true. The laughter would have ended then, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, into the semi-finals, which we uh, I like seeing them all together actually for the draw. The last four, quite like that touch. Mm. Uh, Kao Yupeng beat Ali Carter 41-18 Mark Allen beat Stephen Hallworth 60 points to 8 and then in the final as we said earlier it was Mark Allen 65 Kao Yupeng 4 so uh, yeah Mark Allen what a, what a serial winner he is now Phil that is significant isn't it getting that that list of and I put this on my Twitter earlier I'm sure you can see it in various places that list of 12 players now level with Jimmy White I mean you know this is a Questionable one, but his record in the game is not questionable. And we've said it before, the last two or three years, you know, whatever age you are, you can come of age. It feels like he has in the game. He's such a serial winner now of anything. And, you know, going over old ground, a world title would cement his brilliance in the game. He'll have a brilliant career without the world title, but he's got one in him, got close last time, of course, without a good general crucible record, but put that right to some extent last year. And you just feel now, you know, as I think you put it some time ago, there was a time when he'd go into tournaments, you think he might win it, he's that good, but he wouldn't put a lot of money on it. Now you're thinking he's one of the leading contenders in nearly everything. And of course, should say, Bookie's favourite. So that really yeah. showed, again, very unusual, you know, so hard to call this. We said that, but the Bookie's got it right. Yeah, now it looks silly that I mean that he was available at twenty eight to one at the start, which now it's like, well, why didn't I stick ten quid to Mark Allen? It seems obvious, but it obviously it wasn't obvious. But um, yeah, and he's gonna, you know, his career. I don't think anyone was, you know, quite recently was expecting Mark Allen to sort of thinking about how he might go down as one of the all time greats, and he's not there yet. But he's now a very top player. Um, he's got himself in shape and disciplined and winning big ones. I don't know, I'm talking about this with this, but um, he's, he's a contender for everything uh, and could quite quickly, if he can keep this sort of trophy halls going, um, really start making progress up that sort of all-time list um, toward, I mean, like to get world championships on there. But, you know, he's in the hunt um, and that didn't seem that likely that long ago, but things have turned around uh quite quickly um and so yeah uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see how he how he goes over the next few years uh but he's a force in everything from this to the crucible um and it's very impressive and yeah i think what you were saying about people you'd like to see win is n- absolutely nothing against mark but it just would mean more to the some of the other guys so yeah, I think I was probably if I was rooting for anyone, it probably wasn't someone who's sort of top five in the world. But you know, he thoroughly deserved the win there. 
I meant Mark Davis, so just to say. No, you did, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, I agreed. So just, uh, I wouldn't have been rooting for the number one seed necessarily. Oh, yeah, no, I've got you. Um, yeah, exactly. No, Stephen was in my head as well. I'm sure it was yeah. in yours. That would have been just wonderful for him to win it. But he's making really big noises. And again, that even going to the last four of this, it can really boost you and give you that boost going forward. And I think we, we may see it now in the events to come. So let's wrap up the shootout then. Say, obviously, a new home for it in, in Swansea. You know, crowds got bigger d- during the week, didn't they? Nice, nice, seemed to be a nice buzz about the place. And various, um, you know, people, journalists, friends of ours that went were sort of speaking highly of it. So another successful addition. Say, not for everybody, but uh, certainly for many people. And this could be the slot going forward now because it January was great as well. It brightened up a lot of Januaries for us, but something about the sort of um, sort of gay abandon of Christmas and the party season, all the fun of it. Maybe maybe this will be the slot going forward. But either way, we say congratulations to everyone that put the tournament on, officials, all the players, uh, everyone that covered it, and, of course, uh, to uh, Mark Allen, the winner. And we should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. So this is the Woe Is Me episode of uh, Talking Snooker. We should say, shouldn't we, that into our fourth year, but we've never really had an abandonment, which we kind of did last night. Saturday night, we attempted to record this podcast. I had just done a shift and tried to do it from the sort of canteen area of the office. Done it in various canteen areas and different places like that before, but the Wi-Fi didn't really hold up from my end. And I think it was okay from your end, but maybe a bit patchy at times. Either way, we've recorded a good 20 minutes of kind of patchy quality, I think, then it seemed to completely die on us. You said I was sounding like a bit like a mixture between a Dalek and as uh, one of those sort of when you press the podcast and it goes slow motion. So yeah, it was all like yeah. it was all just not not happening. So we just thought cut our losses. We'll record on Monday morning. That was the plan with you in Edinburgh, me here, and my home in London. But unfortunately, the next part of the story as well was also not good. Also, we're speaking now on a, on a Sunday night, late here on a Sunday in the UK. All sorts of transport woes in the country today, particularly on trains. Unfortunately, you're not making it to Edinburgh. Really sorry to hear that. I know you would have enjoyed it. So we'll both be following it from afar. But um, as I say, yeah, get the old violins out, Phil. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, been one of the trickier records of our time, but we get we're getting there. Yeah, disappointing. I was really looking forward to a couple of days at the Scottish Open. Um, Edinburgh is an amazing city, and that was the first day or two of the home nation. It's amazing. Just get to speak to so many good names, so many stories knocking about. Um, so yeah, that's a shame not going to be there, but some overhead wires fell apart in a storm on Saturday night. So no trains up there from my end, which was a great shame considered a late drive, but it was very, very far and couldn't really leave my girlfriend without a car for a few days while I trotted off north of the border. So yeah, it was out of my hands, I'm afraid, but I'll be watching it closely from home. Um, but yeah, so here we are, as I said, the first time we've abandoned anything um in in our in our tenure so far hopefully that's the only time but we've done pretty well to get to this stage with that state of affairs yeah we've had certainly both of us losing contact during episodes and had to carry on and feel and and uh rob wolf of course went for about three hours didn't he to to, to, to deal, deal with someone that came to the door and all sorts of things like that and started again that's, i'm guilty of that uh much more than I don't think you've ever done that, but I've certainly done that. Oh, I don't happy feel after a couple of minutes, let's start again, but never a total abandonment. So yeah, definitely a first there. And uh, yeah, just, just one of those unfortunate things, but, uh, but it must be this slot, you know, I was saying must be something about the second episode of December because our December the 12th episode last year, which was our hundredth, we were both supposed to go to Brentwood to record it together, but the snow scuppered us. So there's mm. something in the water around the, this time. And of course, I was just saying to you, actually, um, load of people stranded in different places, certainly down south uh, tonight here in the UK, including loads of football fans, Newcastle fans that have been at their game at Tottenham. They're all stranded. So, you know, really um, is a bad time if you wanted to catch the train today and maybe for the next week or so, because, you know, for those of us that aren't in the UK, we're not always the, the best, shall we say, at dealing with things when it comes to sort of around public holidays or any kind of extremes. So if any kind of weather extremes are coming soon as well, that will be, you know, that will be a problem, won't it? So, uh, so. Yeah, for sure. And, and shout out to any Newcastle fans that listen to this, because that is a stinking night out for them, losing 
heavily at Spurs and then being stranded there. So hopefully, hopefully they have a nice time out in London though tonight. Well, yeah, they'll try to for sure. Um, but um, yeah, let's move on and talk about the Scottish Open field because it is back in Edinburgh. Uh, second successive year, isn't it? Having been uh, for reasons we know in England in 2020, pandemic reasons. And then kind of branding reasons to do with betting, wasn't it? Uh, it was in Wales in 2021, which, of course, was incidentally the tournament that started um, the sort of live filming for Wally's documentary, wasn't it? The Scottish in Wales uh, in 2021, but back in Scotland now. And uh, let's hope that trend continues because, it, you know, we need need to build up the other home nations. I said this. Northern Ireland, done. Brilliant tournament. Wales, all the history, great. English and Scottish, they're the two you need to sort of really build now, in my view. And, uh, well, last year was Gary Wilson, Joe O'Connor in the final, wasn't it? I mentioned before, recently I was at the uh, World Cup in Qatar, so I didn't see much of it. But looking forward to seeing more this time. And uh, maybe over to you, Phil, then, um, to lead us on this one. Uh, and as with all the home nations, we've got a really good and long old Monday of entertainment to come. Yeah, exactly. This is what I was really hoping to go and see, but um, yes, it is great. Uh, yeah, the opening morning, so Monday morning, which... Uh, uh, Sounds like I'm bobbing it in. It wasn't that bad. I'm enjoying it for myself, it's like, but don't worry. It's like a bit of bully from the 80s, what you could have won, Phil Haig. <laughs> yeah. uh, and defending champion Gary Wilson, yeah, I mean, shock final last year, wasn't it, against Joe O'Connor? And I wonder if this is sort of the slot um, after the UK Championship... Um, Christmas is coming, you know, and there might be a few eyes off the ball a bit. So might be open to some unusual results because I don't think many people were tipping Gary Wilson versus Joe O'Connor in the final last year. But let's see. Uh, he opens up the morning against his fellow North East player, Elliot Slesser, which is a very tasty little start. Then we've got all the top 16. Mark Selby against Sean O'Sullivan. Um, Mark Williams against Sam Craigie. That's a nice one. Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, talk about how he might not play, but that's not been confirmed yet. And if he does play, he's playing Liam Graham, a home favourite there. Uh, Hawkins against Pang Junzu, that's nice. Um, the same fight, Daniel Wells. Sean Murphy against Liu Hong Yu, and they played, and Liu won in Brentwood, if my memory serves. Um, Luca Patel against Yulin Boyko, that's nice one as well. So, yeah, plenty of stuff going on that first day. Mark Allen against Jamie Jones on uh, uh, Monday night. Um John Higgins playing as well, yeah, all the big names. So it's just one of those great Mondays where from morning, afternoon and evening, you get all the big names. Um, and then they're all back on Tuesday as well, I think, because they have to catch up because that's a technically a qualifying round. So, yeah, it's busy, busy, busy and uh, lots to enjoy. Um, and, yeah, it was all sorts going on last year. Um, it was, that was one of those ones when I think it was when Neil Robertson seemed to be playing better than everyone else, kept getting to the semifinals of tournaments around that time. Um, and looking like the clear favourite because this was this was more so than any of them. I think he beat Selby in the quarters, like handily, um, and then it was him against Joe O'Connor in one semi and Gary Wilson against Tep Chire in the other. So it just looked like oh, Neil surely he's going to very likely to stroll this, but then lost quite handily to Joe O'Connor in the semi. Gary Wilson won the final, so it was like it was an unpredictable tournament last year. So I would I wouldn't back against quite a number of shocks this time around as well. Yeah, no, you were well summed up there. Um, I thought that was possibly the, the, the match of the day, actually, that Mark Allen, Jamie Jones, when I looked through. Mm. I thought that's a smashing one to look forward to. Um, you may not mention Ding Junwee, David Grace. No reason why you should have mentioned every game, by the way, but Ding Junwee, David Grace is one that took my mind as well. Of course, can Ding build on that really good one at the UK? As you say, um, none of those held over, but round two matches, a couple that caught my eyes we're moving to Tuesday and Wednesday. Quite another look of Liam Highfield, Tom Ford. Uh, Tom Ford he has a really good season so far, of course. So nearly made the field uh, for the Masters. And uh, well, but Liam may win that, though. He, he, you know, he's always got a, a performance in him, you feel. He had one good one so far this season to the last 16 in Wuhan. Quite like the look of Joe O'Connor, Scott Donaldson on Wednesday. O'Connor, of course, as we said, the runner-up last year. And Chris Wakelin, Tep Chire on new, Phil. And that is a an absolute... Yes. Smashing one. Would not like to predict that. I really wouldn't. I looked at their career record. Tech Tri has won three of their four previous meetings, including a 4-1 win 
at last year's Northern Ireland Open. So career-wise so far, it's favouring Tech Chaya. Uh, David Gilbert, Robbie Williams is another match I, I saw when I looked through the list that I thought I'd jot down. I always think Dave's on the verge of, I don't know, it's, it's going to be because wishful thinking because I kind of like Dave so much. I think we all do, really, or most of us do. I always think he's on the verge of just stepping up a gear and really hitting that next one. He hasn't really happened for him. And, of course, he had that real... Uh, Painful one, didn't he? Losing to uh, Jamie Clark in the decider in that recent uh, Judgment Day match um, in the UK Championship qualifiers. So, yeah, loads to look forward to. I mean, these home nations uh, pretty much always deliver, actually. Again, that bam, bam, bang thing. Loads of matches all the time. Loads of stories. So good for us in the press. And I think good for fans as well. Short format, but there's matches all the time. Gets a bit bewildering, I think, at times. That's one thing I will say. But come about Thursday, the mists clear, don't they, Phil? And uh, you start to sort of get down to the sort of business end. And yeah, generally unpredictable, as you say, maybe this slot, um, it was Luca the year before, wasn't it? Getting uh, Winning it that just after getting to the UK final. And actually, the mention of Luca reminds me, of, of course, it's World Grand Prix implications, isn't it, as well? And yeah. I had a look at the one-year list earlier. He's right on the edge, Luca, and a few players around that sort of 32 spot. So there's that extra kind of, you know, I know we must not always do that, what's coming up, and most focus on the event that's happening. But there's that nice um, sort of spin-off of players trying to get in that as well, eh? Yeah, definitely. That's massive because um, all the players, that's the goal at the start of the season. And I keep, I've said that a few times. That pretty sure everyone on tour should have that goal. Um, some obviously a lot more likely than others, but you should be aiming to get in that 32. And certainly Luke Russell should. Um, so it would be quite remarkable if he doesn't end in... Uh, and get into there uh, but he has to win a couple of games most likely um, you mentioned Liam Highfield there I was actually looking at um, provisional end of season rankings earlier today because uh, my life is that fun filled um, but he's he's provisionally number 75 um, which shocked me he'd be off tour uh, and uh, you know I rate him very highly Liam Highfield um, he's been struggling for results that recently so um, yeah hopefully he'll get some wins soon tough one against Tom Ford obviously Um but yeah, you know, we're not too far away from when people start really looking at sort of end of season things. So uh, yeah, you need to get some wins. Um, and as does Luca, yeah, there's sort of, I don't know, it, it, he's talked about how he doesn't really, he feels less pressure since uh, winning the World Championship rather than more. Um, but maybe it'd be better to get a bit more pressure back on. Um, I'm sure he's, he, he'll probably just click into gear at one tournament and go really deep and it'll be fine. But we'll see. Um, he needs to get some wins sooner rather than later but um yeah good weekend in Edinburgh though I think yeah really good week to come uh be live on Eurosport on Discovery won't it and uh do enjoy that that viewing to come and uh that's the, the last sort of big ranking tournament of the year Phil should we take one bit of correspondence because it's kind of UK championship based uh what, what do we call them now when they're not is it acquaintance, strong acquaintance of the podcast? <laughs> if they're not been on, but they're kind of regularly contacting us. So we've got a strong acquaintance of the podcast, Phil Spivey. Yes, here he is. Uh, hi, Nick and Phil. Loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. What a great UK championship. A real vintage edition this year. So many great matches. I think my favourite was Ding v Williams, followed by Hawkins v Selby. But we were spoiled for choice. Fantastic win for O'Sullivan, but a great week for Ding. And what a tough draw he had to come through. Three of the players he beat have all won events this season and the other was in a final. It was mentioned on your last podcast about whether the UK Championship should be the last event before Christmas. This does make some sense, although I think it would have to be moved back a couple of weeks, finishing on the third Sunday of December for this to be viable. And I think it has settled well into its current slot. I actually quite like it when it's followed closely by another event such as the Scottish Open. After the high of the UK final, it's good to have more snooker to look forward to immediately, even if it's a more low-key event. And I believe the viewing figures of the subsequent event are often boosted by the interest gathered by the UK Championship. Either way, as long as snooker's on, then I'm happy. I always like the fact that regardless of the event and its prestige or otherwise, you still end the week with a final between two top players. Nick, your article in Sporting Life about extending the length of UK Siamese back to 17 frames was excellent. I think that could well be a step forward, especially now some of the Chinese events also have longer semi-finals. I've always wished the entire tournament would revert to longer matches, but I've recently changed my mind as 11 frames does seem to be a good length. And there is still time for twists and turns, as shown last week. A friend at work who was very casually in his snooker watching said he was more inclined to watch a match that finished in one session. So maybe there is merit in the shorter matches throughout. But perhaps the semis could be extended, as you suggested. All the best, guys. Phil. 
Yeah, well, I think, yeah, we talked about it a bit, haven't we? And, uh, you know, I think all snooker fans would like the longer matches. We know it's down to TV and scheduling and everything. Um, there's other ways around it. But, yeah, I think if if it was just a, a free choice uh, to most snooker fans, how, you want lo- best of 17 or best of 11, you go 17, wouldn't you? But we know the reasons for it that have kept it this length um, for quite a number of years now, I suppose. Definitely. You cut out there. Which word did he use about my my, my article? Excellent. Said, uh, that's right. Sorry, I, I missed it. It was excellent. Thank you very <laughs> much indeed to you, Phil. Really kind. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't think I'd want the whole thing going back to to, to best of 17 now. That, that ship sailed. You know, we've now got this best of 11 in our heads, really. This is kind of the way it works. But I did suggest... For semi-finals, perhaps extending it. That recent tournament we saw in China, didn't we? The international had that. And I think it did add a little bit to it, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, you can read that my article. Look it up on on Sporting Life. Thank you for that, Phil. Genuinely, really appreciate it. And in fact, it was Neil Robertson that said to me before a big interview I did with Neil for Sporting Life. Uh, I didn't use it for the article, but he did say to me he thinks it definitely should be the last event of the year. But again, you know, that's the sort of thing that we could debate all. all, all all day or night as, as as fans and as watchers and as pundits. But, you know, those that involve the nitty gritty of organising these things with booking the venue. And I, I think television, you know, I suspect television, that's that's been long held, that slot. And I suspect the BBC want it in that slot. And, uh, you know, they certainly know, it, you know, their numbers. And as we know, you know, they, it did brilliantly this year, nearly 3 million viewers, not just because of Ronnie, there's a Ronnie tax, but, yeah, there was very good viewers across the board. 1.5 million video views, Phil, just to say. I meant to say it's last time. I think someone may have pointed out on a forum somewhere as well. That part of it had nothing to do with Ronnie. One and a half million video views for the qualifiers. So, you know, there we are. But, um, yeah, listen, I, I can see that point. UK does feel a bit crescendo-ish. Uh, the other one's, you know, potentially liable to be a bit after the Lord Mayor's show. But, again... To some, in some ways, not. We just love the shootout. The Scottish will get into, no doubt. Maybe it'll be a slow burner, but we'll love that, particularly if you put up to the the latter stages t- towards the end of the week. So um, these are all good problems, really. That, you know, when we get into the the you know, slight, you know, nuance of the schedule. That the problems are, which we've had not so much this season, but past seasons in recent times, is big gaps. We don't want those as long as we're avoiding big gaps. You know, we. And our snooker people can, you know, nerdily debate the, the nuance of the schedule. That's okay. But but we, I think we're doing generally okay. And thank you for your, your email, Phil. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Phil, any other business, I think? Um, talk about Sporting Life. I've got a new column coming very soon, probably pu- published sometime uh, next week. When I'll look back on the snooker year and uh, say what a what a, a bruising one it's been for the sport. But I think it's fair to say that the, the glory of this old game does endure so I look forward to writing that and hopefully look out for that I'll plug it extensively on my uh, Twitter feed and elsewhere and just to say Phil next week we are joining forces once again with one of Snooker's most recognisable voices perhaps its most recognisable voice of all David Hendon from the Snooker Scene podcast for a joint podcast special Snooker Scene and Talking Snooker once more joining together and it has to be said, Phil, the episode number is going to be a number that's relatively significant in snooker terms. Yeah, 147. That's not planned. That's just fallen lovely, isn't it? Uh, so that'd be very nice. Yeah. Uh, always a highlight of the year has become one, isn't it? Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. So, uh, you know, any questions, anything you want us to cover? Because we really do go deep on that one. <laughs> we're not short. We're not shy on going long on most podcasts, but that one we really go mad. Um, I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying, um, "Why don't we get the one four seven podcast guys on board as well?" I mean, we go mad enough with three of us. Imagine if there was five people on there. We'd never shut up. So I think best keeping it back to three. Um, but yeah, no highlight of the year. So um, yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah, nice way of saying it that we should get um, you know potential listeners to, to write in no doubt people may want to ask dave and of course you can do that through dave's own uh, channels with his own podcast as well but if you want to write to dave through us please do talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker that's just about it i think phil we, we love the shootout hats off to mark allen not uh 
you know, usual. We had, as you say, a lot of big name finalists get all the way to that stage without winning it. But someone to go all the way, it is something new, a 10th ranking event for him. And then just loads of snooker to watch. Uh, the Scottish, and we, oh, just before we go, I just remember we got some senior snooker at Christmas, I see, filling mm. that slot between Christmas and New Year. Seniors 900, and uh, sorry to be UK centric, it's going to be live on free to air telly here in the UK. Yeah, I think that should do uh, really well. It sounds like an ideal sort of slot. I think it's, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's sort of like the 29th of December-ish, something around that. Um, so, yeah, I think people will be home. Um, everyone will be able to watch it. Very recognisable names. Um, I think it's at Ascot, isn't it? Ascot Racecourse. Um, so, yeah, I think they, they should be onto a winner there. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see how that does. Um, but yeah, great work from Jason Francis, who comes up with this kind of thing um, and does very well with it. So yeah, no, that should be good. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, looking forward to it. And while you were talking before, I just looked up when you when you mentioned when Sean Liu was born. So July 2010. It was actually the second of July. Um, I looked what my, what happened that day. It was when uh, Luis Suarez handballed that on the goal oh. line against Ghana in the World Cup. Um, that doesn't seem that long ago, does it, for someone to have been born on that day and has already won a match in a ranking event. And I remember watching that game. I love this moment from World Cups with the chefs at a restaurant all gathered around the telly towards the back. I remember being in London, one of those, all like you know, the, the universal power and language of football. Yes, I remember that game very well, the South Africa World Cup. Uh, it was around that time as well, because I remember it well, because I was in South Africa with some of that. and came back and there was that ridiculous John Isner marathon at Wimbledon that went on for about three that days. Do you remember marathon. it? That was around that time as well. So, yeah, it's not very long ago, is it? That's a thing. And some of the sports uh, star, as I suppose we call them, young star, being born there, now now winning. Goodness gracious. It is a 29th year right for the seniors. Um, pretty right. sure just, that's on the top of my head as well running from lunchtime till tea time. So a lot of hours of that. And it's always a bit of a funny, I love the liminal days. I love those days between Christmas and New Year. So lovely, cosy viewing potentially there. And of course, before that big viewing to come, enjoy the Scottish Open. We're back next week with Dave and our joint podcast special. Uh, I salute you, Phil. Say sorry about Edinburgh. You'll have to make do with Costa del Sheffield instead, but I know you'll be enjoying the action to come and see you next time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I won't lose too much sleep about it, but shame. I'll have to make up for it next year and go to ex- uh, extra loads of events, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll be enjoying it from home and hopefully everyone else will too. So thanks for listening. We're winding down for the year. Just two episodes to go. And we thank you uh, for your company for this latest one here on Talking Snooker. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Podcast Network.